I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When the red, red robin comes bump, bump, bumping along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his home. took some heroic last-ditch defending, but the Addicts saw off the bees to climb to second in the championship table. Welcome to Charlton Live. So a very good evening to you and welcome to Charlton Live, coming to you live here from the Valley on your Sunday evening. My name is Louis Mendez, we've got a packed studio here in SU7 as we get ready to look back at yesterday's uh, quite remarkable home win uh, against Brentford. The Addicts uh, winning by one goal to nil thanks to Collar Gallagher's strike and then defending with their lives for what seemed like about 10 hours. But we hang on, uh, we hung on, we got the three points and we're up to second in that championship table once again. That's where we're staying for the rest of the season, uh, don't forget. So joining me in the studio here uh, at the Valley, we've got Mr Mark Newbury over to my right-hand side. How are you doing, Mark? I'm very well, thank you, sir. Yeah, did you have an enjoyable uh, experience at the Valley yesterday? I, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm probably a minority. I, I, mm. lo- I love a good defensive game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, how was your heart after? Mine was, was all over the place. As, as calm as it gets. <laughs> Excellent stuff. And also join us, we've got a newbie uh, in the studio. Uh, not just Mark Newbury, newbie, but we've got a, uh, a newbie in uh, Ollie White. Ollie, welcome. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, Lou. How you yeah, doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Um, how was your heart at full time yesterday? Uh, well, yeah, I think uh, the forest first half was probably more enjoyable, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> it's always, yeah, as you say, it's always good to get uh, you know, a good heroic defensive performance yeah, done. Certainly was. So on tonight's show, we're going to be looking back at that game with Brentford we're going to hear the highlights of the game we're also of course going to hear uh, our exclusive interview with Lee Bowyer who's kind enough to come and speak to Terry uh, after the game uh, yesterday we want to hear from you guys as well let us know what you made of yesterday's victory who stood out for you um, how pleasing was it that we were able to hang on you can email us studio at charltonlive.co.uk you can tweet us at Charlton Live, or you can head over to the Charlton Live forum uh, and have your say on there there's a thread on there for this evening's show now in the second half uh, of the show we've got a couple of special things for you this evening on Friday I was lucky enough to visit the, the Charlton Athletic Museum. Ben Hayes, uh, one of the curators there, uh, was kind enough to open up the museum for my other half's great uncle Bill, who's been a Charlton fan uh, throughout his entire life. And uh, we, we took him to the museum to, to bring back some memories. So we'll hear what uncle Bill made of it. And also Ben picks out his uh, five of his favourite items that we've got uh, in the museum there. And I, I really cannot highly recommend that, a, a visit to there enough. So we'll, we'll hear what, what, we can, uh, what you can see there. Uh, and also I went down to the women's game today. They started their FA Women's championship season uh, with a goal to straw against Lewis we're going to hear from Kim Dixon uh, the Johnny Jackson of women's football as she refers to herself um, I spoke to her after the game um, so we'll hear a little bit of reaction to that game as well now before we go into the highlights Mark uh, <laughs> I mean the stats probably said it all yesterday I think we had what two shots in the end uh, for, for a large spell of that game Conor Gallagher's shot was the only one we had but that's the only one that counted. It was 1-0 and, and we hung on and we did we did what we had to do in, in a sweltering heat as well. Well, it's funny because after the game yesterday, I went shopping and just as I went to get some milk, Lockyer popped up and took it off me. <laughs> and then I get to the checkout, it's empty checkout. I'm just going to put my shopping down and Pierce gets in front of me. <laughs> so, no, it was, um, it was a... Uh, you can't rate the back three highly enough. After Oshilaja went off, mm. um, when... Uh, Prattley moved into the back and Pierce and Lockyer it was one of those games where you think to yourself that's when experience counts and you can understand why Saar you know I think if and I love Naby but I think if he'd played yesterday I think we'd have probably lost alright oh, yeah because uh, I just think that Pierce and Lockyer and Prattley together at the back there were just so tight as a unit so when when George came on and went to right back um, it didn't really upset the um, balance that much mm, yeah so. we, we had to ask Lapsley to play our position which was uh, which we'll, we'll talk about more as well because I thought he did very well but Ollie when you compare those performances that because we've had two games of course at home this week when you think about the two sides of Charlton that we've seen this week I mean the the fluid football we played on Wednesday evening mm. against Nottingham Forest and then the this dogged determination we saw yesterday against Brentford I mean it just shows that the boat has put together a side here that can do everything and do it well yeah definitely I think um Definitely they're malleable. Um, you know, I think against Forest, it was really a case of, well, I mean, I think it's been parroted by pretty much every Charlton fan that I've seen. You know, the first half was probably the best 45 minutes, certainly I can remember been watching. Um, I think my dad, my dad said the same. So, uh, you know, it's been a long time. Um, and then, you know, I mean, I think we were slightly unlucky with that Forest second half performance to concede. But, you know, this this one just required a totally different kind of set of, uh, you know, a different kind of mentality. Um, and yeah, it was a really, you come away from those feeling even more relieved uh, when you can sort of, it's slightly jammy getting the getting the three points. But um, yeah, it was fantastic. Excellent stuff. Right, let's have a listen to the highlights of yesterday's game uh, on Valley Pass. Your commentators are, of course, Greg Stubbley and Terry Smith. Cullen, though, and he's gone straight to Pinnock. 
Can Callum get to this one? No, he can't. Flicked up in the air and it should go nowhere. Oh! Just say it should go nowhere. Cannot stuck his feet out. Charlton very slow to react there. And the ball, luckily for Charlton, over the bar. Yeah, well, Phillips called for it, so Perrinson left it, and the ball just dropped, and in the end, Canos just stuck a toe, and it was harmlessly over in the end, but a little bit sloppy from Charlton. Dylan Phillips, a couple of bad calls early on, just let your defender clear there, if you're not confident of getting it. So Gallagher is running into trouble here, and he's uh, lost out of Watkins. He's got Canos in the box, free and clear, Canos with the head. Oh, he's made an absolute side of that yeah I have to say that I thought the pass from Watkins wasn't the greatest he had to rise quite high Canos for that and yeah. judging by his size he's probably not used to headering too much either I'm That's a doing him waste, wasted opportunity for one two with Watkins Trump really have to uh, stay up a gear here into Canos going to take a shot comfortably wide left of the post it didn't, never was coming back but Charlton uh, have really started this game uh, a little bit uh, I don't know if lazily is the right word but certainly on the back foot very towards Condes out to the right to Rasic inside to Janssen Janssen bringing the ball forward short good challenge from Cullen yes. wins it back for Charlton can it come to Williams Williams dives in gets the ball Williams on his feet on a run Williams ball inside to Gallagher it's good Gallagher shooting shots one-touch football and there's a half-time whistle as Charlton go into the break with a one-goal lead courtesy of Conor Gallagher's third of the season in a game where really you have to say it's probably not deserved ball. chip ball forward to Perrington who's onside Perrington crossing opportunity Williams Taylor in the box Perrington towards Taylor oh inches away a lovely ball in from Perrington Taylor diving and stretching for it couldn't get on the end of it but the idea was almost perfect you wonder whether if he'd have gone full tilt at it with his head might have had a better option but he wanted to try and hook it he in with his foot him up Watkins onto his left foot thinks about a shot goes for it and it takes a good fingertip save I think from Dylan Phillips yes yep. a powerful effort from Watkins and Brentford off the corner a sneaking suspicion he might have been going over anyway but uh, Dylan Phillips couldn't take the chance Ben Rama I think it's part of now on it right hand edge of Charlton's penalty area back inside to Canos Canos ball into the middle with Barama shooting opportunity Great what a block. stop that is from Purrington and he's down injured Purrington Mokondes on the ball another great stop this time from Jason Pearce and Charlton at, at Brentford have a corner with Charlton with two men down in the box well they're fighting for their lives Charlton at the back Purrington and Pearce with two in vital on the left hand side the Charlton Ooh. right into Ben Rama four minutes of added time Canosh back out to Jensen Jensen teasing trying to team himself up for a shot Charlton trying to force him out he's gone back across to Mbueno Mbueno drills it across oh it's a save back out to Dalsgaard blocked away again body's been thrown in Canos blocked away brilliant. again absolutely brilliant and Lapsley clears it away up to Lyle Taylor taking on his man Lyle Taylor and he runs out of room it's a throw in to Brentford but how 
many bodies were thrown in their way. Absolutely brilliant. Pierce, Lockyer. Wow. Absolutely. Practically everybody throwing themselves in front of the ball. And we've had the four minutes. We're now in a four and a half. Everyone back. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Oh, dear me. Jensen, little touch ball. And there's the final. Yes! Charlton have seen this game out. And well, as Greg quite rightly said, we've seen the pretty side of Charlton. That's the grit. That's the determination. That's the will to win. And Charlton have hang on. It's a very good Brentford side, you've got to say, you just don't have the clinical finish in them. Well, there we go. I think Terry said it all there. The Addicts just about hung on after a uh, really, really stressful um, second 45 minutes. But, you know, I mean, if anything sums up the performance we saw from, from Charlton yesterday... Mark, it must have been that that goldmouth scramble in added time where you know, three or four of those Brentford players, it looked like they had a clear sight on goal, but all of a sudden there's three yeah. or four bodies just charging it down and put, putting themselves on the line. When you watch it, there are just so many shirts and um, Pierce taking one in the chest and Field took one in the chest. And you think if there wasn't... I don't think uh, Brentford actually had someone with the ability to sort of like go back five yards and chip one over the top because it was all like, I'm going to hit it as hard as I can and in hope. I mean, it was a f- some some bit of luck, you know, a ricochet can go anywhere. But it was also some dogged, you know, people who were determined to put their face or their chest or other parts of their bodies in front of them flying balls. Mm. You know, and that's, I think that's tantamount down to Bowyer and the team. And I think it's just a spirit. And like I say, you showed us an, it's a second side to us after Forrest. You know, silky smooth against Forest, and yesterday was a rough, tough kind of like an ugly League One, wet Tuesday night. You know, yeah, it, it was just, it was just getting your hands dirty, which yeah. is some, sometimes you have to do. Or you know, when we've made that step up into, into this division, we know at times we're going to come up against teams mm. who really can pass the ball around. And Brentford, have, you know, are an established Championship team now. They they've got some quality players, but. Sometimes, like I say, you just have to do that dirty work to do anything to get over the line. I mean, we we know the amount of effort they put in on, on Wednesday. Um, we know how hot it was yesterday, how hard it is when you are basically chasing shadows at times and, and just putting yourselves behind the ball. But they just kept going and they just kept going. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it was Mourinho who always used to say about, you know, the teams that always succeed are the ones who kind of can grind out wins like that when they're playing, you know, not particularly well. Um but as you say, I mean, I think that's that's testament to Bowyer and probably Jacko as well. I think it's just a mark of a team who, you know, one day, you know, they they, they play the opposition really. They, you know, against Forest, I think we were there was a lot of flair there. I think you know, Oz team in particular was great. Um, you know, we were knocking the ball about, played them off the park, and like I said, I think I think we were slightly unlucky not to get the three points. Uh, and then you know, as Mark says, a totally different performance. Um, you know, against Brentford, and um, yeah, it's just uh, I think we were sort of taking a slight. It's like battering in the last, uh, particularly in the last ten minutes. But mm. that, I mean, you heard on that on that commentary, the last <laughs> the last ditch tackles and blocks. Uh, yeah. I think it, was, it might have been Lockyer in field. It was just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, my heart was so in my mouth when, <laughs> when that ball fell to him inside, you know, inside that penalty area in, in injury time because we'd done all that hard work and all of a sudden you're thinking. You know, it's, it, that 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 looks like a clear shot on goal, but all of a sudden, I just kind of, I still can't get over how 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 much determination they show to throw themselves in front of that ball and, and just to hang just to hang on there, Mark. Yeah, I mean, that's, it seemed like it was only being played in that six-yard box. <laughs> you know, all all twenty-two people, their keeper came and joined in as well. Just it's like an agrophobic football game. <laughs> um, no, it's 
again, let's say it, a ricochet could go anywhere. We could have been picking out the net. We could be sitting here going, it's 1-1, but seeing the possession we had, maybe that's a fair point. Mm. So I think to take four points out of those two games, I don't think anyone can begrudge us that. Oh, not at all. I felt sorry for whoever sat in the covered end though yesterday in the second half because I don't think they would have seen the ball at any point. <laughs> but it was it was brilliant. I mean, when you look at the moment that actually won won uh, the game for us, obviously just just under five minutes before half time, uh, the goal by by Conor Gallagher. Now there, there's one thing that you can't uh, accuse Charlton of so far this season, only, and that's wasting chances because we have been so clinical. Yeah, absolutely. And we had just one chance. So it was brilliant one back by Cullen and then you give it to Johnny Williams you know what's going to happen he's going to get an assist he, he's oh, was that three or four already yeah. this season four yeah and uh, and he lays it off to, to, to Gallagher the Chelsea loney and again that's his third of the season mm. um, and it was a brilliant finish you never really doubted him when he was going through no no not at all and I think the three players that I think were involved in the in the build up primarily to that I think it was Cullen Williams and, uh, and Gallagher and I think all three of them did exactly what they're in the team for I think Cullen won a tackle mm. dribbled a bit on kind of played you know played him through Williams got the ball, and then you never doubted he was going to pick the right yeah. pass as soon as you saw Gallagher. And it was quite nicely the way the way that Cullen did win it. It was a bit of a turnover. Brentford thought they were sort of pushing out, mm. and because he won it in 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 that part of the of the Brentford half, all of a sudden there was so much space for Conor Gallagher. And that's one thing about the shape that we were playing. There was never a situation where that could have happened at the other end, whereby we would have lost possession. And all of a sudden, we're wide open. Um, that that turnover and and being that clinical and being that quick on the turnover was probably what made that goal for us. But I think when you watch it back. If you look at Lyle's movement, he, he goes off to the left and he takes both the centre halves, mm. and it gives that lovely big gap for Connor just mm. to have a ball rolled into him. So you know Lyle's got to take some credit for, for his movement yeah. off the ball as well. I now mean, that- like I say it was a terrific ball from Johnny, and like I say, well finished. But if, if you look at back and look at Lyle's movement in the goal, and see see the space open up, and you're right, I think it wouldn't have we wouldn't have done that. Because mm. we were a lot more compact right through the centre. Mm. After me, I hadn't noticed that. So that's a, that's, yeah. that's well spotted there, Mark. Well done. Now, um, you know, you look at some of the players who stood out yesterday, and I mean, Tom Lockyer <laughs> is going to be one the one that you pick, one of the ones that you pick out because he's one of these players who's had to make the step up from the mm. division below. And um, so far, I mean, we saw that last ditch tackle we put in on Wednesday, didn't we, against Lewis Graben when mm. the ball fell into into his path and some of his blocks yesterday. I mean, he. He was an absolute warrior for us in that defence. He's been great. I think um, before he signed, we heard from various Bristol Rovers fans that he was going to be a real fan favourite. And I think he's absolutely met met that expectation. Um, I think, you know, particularly in the last two games, he's been an absolute warrior. And I think he's, you know, slowly slipping into that role that Bauer played before. Um, I think one thing that's quite nice about him is that he's actually quite quick. You watch him mm. come forward and he's got a lot more pace than Bauer does, but he can still pick out that pass in the centre that kind of unlocks particularly Cullen just kind of driving forward. I think he's been absolutely superb so far, Lockyer. Mm. He's been great. He's my man of the match yesterday. Yeah, and obviously when you're playing alongside Jason Pierce as well, um, you, know, you know you're going to be guided there by an old uh, well, an old head who, who knows what what to do. And I think I think Piercy is born for games like yesterday because he loves he loves sticking his body on the line. He loves a battle, doesn't he? I mean, I was slightly worried uh, pre-season because obviously you've got teams who are coming down from Premiership with Premiership strikers, and you're thinking how are centre halves going to match up against these guys mm. who really have like one chance, one shot, one goal kind of ratio. But we've we've not given really anyone a sniff. I mean, Lewis Graben on the other day, like I say, that amazing tackle, but he was he was marshalled. I mean, there's been no one who's who's got who's taken us to pieces. I mean, Stoke with Ince was from outside the mm. area, so I you know with Pierce. I think I think he's reveling in it. 
Mm. You know, and I think it's sort of like almost making him a better footballer as well. I mean, he was always good, but I think now he's he's almost like stepped up another level. So and if that rubs off with Perrington and whoever's playing right back as well, you know, the back five, I think is going to look nice, nice and tight. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the the starting lineup yesterday, it was. Um, I don't think it was really a surprise that he pretty much reverted to the team that we started out with, with, with Barnsley. Obviously, he made four changes for the between Barnsley and, and the midweek game against Forest, one of which was because Solly got injured and we mm. played Deji out there. But, you know, the likes of Otsumu coming in on, on, on Wednesday, uh, Naby coming in, and he basically swapped them all back. So we, we saw Johnny Williams coming back. We saw, we saw Jason Pierce coming back. So no surprise, but... It, it, I don't, I don't think we're really used to saying that on, on this show, but we've actually sort of got a squad now where you can move things around. Because I think even towards the end of last season, it was very rare that we'd be able to make like-for-like like changes on a whim. Like, you know, not on a whim, but, you know, be, because you can. It was more we were forced to because of an injury or, or just, you know, one or two players out of form. But now we can actually, we're in a situation where players can come out who, who haven't really done anything wrong, but we're in a position to be able to, to rotate. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, again, it's credit to, to Boyer that you know he's he's somehow with the uh, with the shoestring budget that we're you know purportedly on. I think he's managed to assemble a, a squad that really, I think, aside from with Dyke Steele's absence, where you feel we maybe have a slight golf in the uh, the right back spot. Mm. But I mean, it, to be fair, I mean, Deji's been great since he's been uh, deputising, and I think Solly likely to be back potentially for the Reading game I don't I'm not sure what the uh, the situation is but yeah I mean yeah it, we really do seem to have strength in numbers as you say at the moment so that's yeah, great yeah we'll hear a bit more on on the Solly situation when we speak to, to Lee Bayer later on but I mean you mentioned Deji there so it, it was weird I mean that was the one position we could have done without losing someone <laughs> with, with Anthony moving on and Solly obviously out with his concussion at the moment. but that that's the way it landed there was a nasty it looked like there was a bit of a clash and it looked I think it was Cullen who was down in the in, in that mm. six yard box in front of the um covered end but in the end uh, he, he looked like I think it was him he looked, he looked like he was worse off but in the end it was Deji who had to make way but that sort of forced us into a bit of a change so when, when Deji when we saw Prattley drop into that into that bottom we changed from the midfield diamond into the free sort of 5-2 with the wing backs and um, I mean for stars I mean I do think that actually helped us a little bit because we hadn't we hadn't really had too much time on the ball not that that improved much as, as the game went on but we sort of seemed a little bit more comfortable but at the same time and we asked uh, George Lapsley to play, play in a position where he hasn't played too often I think Gillingham away possibly last season he played at right wing back and to, to see him put in the shift that he did in that position w- was impressive because you know that's not something he's remotely used to Mark No I was surprised because I thought when, when they had to make the change I thought well Naby will come on we'll go to three at the back Lockyer will just sit on the right hand side mm. Um, so when he put Lapsley on, I was a bit like, hmm? but you know, he, he, he did well. But I think one thing Lapsley gives you is a hundred percent enthusiasm, you know, and effort. And you think to yourself, it might not be his natural position, but he wasn't going to let anyone go past him. And that's what surprised me slightly about Brentford. They didn't try anything different. They're like, oh, they've got this kid playing at right back who's not a right back. Let's let's keep targeting him. Then mm. they kept targeting him, and he kept getting his head on it and his face on it. And they didn't try anything different. Every time they got the ball, it was going down that side and thinking, you know, they weren't changing it. So I know I think he did well. I think it's good. I just hope he's one of those players who Boya doesn't send out on loan because I know we've got a yeah. dearth of midfielders. But I'm thinking he's that kind of player. I'd, I'd like to keep. Yeah, I get. You know. I get the impression that Boya would would like to keep him in the squad. It was that Rico Henry that, that Brentford had a left back who was mm. getting forward a lot, and I think at times he did have the beating of him. But as you say, he, he always seemed to get back and. 
considering we weren't really playing the most attacking brand of football yesterday, I think that George was probably not the worst player to have in that situation because all he's going to be doing is defending, getting himself in, in the way, and that's what we know he's good at. I mean, that, that Portsmouth came last year where he put his face on the line quite literally. I mean, we know he's up for that sort of battle. Yeah, I think he, you know, he he really epitomises what I think Bowie's Charlton really is all about, uh, Lapsley. And I, th- I thought he was absolutely brilliant when he came on. To be fair, um, you know, he's asked to play in a, in a position that he's totally unfamiliar with, and he's playing against a, a team that we've clearly struggled with in the first half. I thought he was excellent. I think it's, you know, I think players like him and Prattley, you know, while they may seem uh, maybe not the most technically sort of gifted players, they, you know, as you say, they they're so kind of combative. And they're exactly the right players you need in that sort of scenario. And I, I just thought they were excellent yesterday. Yeah, yeah it was quite funny, actually. When we did the, the Player of the Year dinner last year, it was Lapsley and Prattley that came to speak to us at the same time. And Prattley sort, was sort of saying, look, I'm not the most uh, technically gifted player and nor is George. And George was like, oi. But it's true, though. And we know you know what you're going to get from Prattley. He signed a new contract during a week as well on a contract extension, um, which I'm actually quite pleased with now. I remember towards sort of around Christmas last year, there was a lot of talk on this show about at the at that time, I think Aribo was out injured and Prattley was sort of playing in the midfield that just did not have a ball plan. Like for what Prattley was bringing to the side, he we were missing something quite big in terms of someone who could actually play the ball on the floor. But because we've got people who can do that, Prattley now comes back into the midfield and looks very useful again. But at the same time, we can ask him to fill in at centre-half, which we saw a few times last season. And, uh, you know, for an old-timer, he hasn't had to play there too often. I mean, he, he, again, he's, he, he seems very comfortable there to me, I think. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's, he's obviously not one of those players who flinches when you ask him to do something. And uh, I'm, I'm glad, I'm, I'm a huge Prattley fan. I mean, I, I thought... At Wembley, he was a man of a match for me. Mm. I know Billy mm. agreed. It, yeah, I, definitely. I thought Prattley just introduced himself to all their centre forwards in the first ten minutes, uh, their midfielders in the first ten minutes, and they lost the game there. Mm. And I think he, that's what he brings. He's not intimidated, you know, by who he's playing against. And if he can pass on some of that knowledge to someone like George, because it seems like there is a bit of a like almost like a mentoring thing oh, yeah, going yeah, on there, yeah. you know. And they're saying, well, next year, why not offer him a coach role? Mm. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, it could certainly be. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. Now, at the other end of the pitch yesterday, uh, there was a player who I'm sure everyone in the in the Brentford end probably had their eye on because Lyle Taylor. We know we know now he, he came very close to, to signing for Brentford in in the summer transfer window. Uh, the way that Boyer was talking in midweek about how it could be very difficult to, to keep him in January. Who knows? Brentford might come back in for him again. Mm. Um, he, he when it's a, a game like that, he's always going to be determined to 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 prove his worth. I, I thought in the in the first half there was a couple of flicks and he works very hard but when, when you're up there on your own he was doing so much to try and get hold of the ball whenever we hoofed it up towards the halfway line and forcing forcing the defenders to play it quickly but he must have felt like he was chasing shadows at, at times in that second period I mean he came out without a name and number on his shirt for the second half and I sort of said well he must have felt almost anonymous in that second period because he, he got very little chance to see the ball at that end of the pitch. Yeah, he was I, he was absolutely feeding off scraps, to be fair to him. Um, but, you know, I think if Brentford fans were expecting to see what they probably heard about him, he offers so much defensively as well. Mm. I mean, he, he really does. You watch him, he's absolutely tireless. You know, he's always trekking back. Um, you know, he constantly ha- kind of hassles the back four. They don't get as much time as they should. And he's just, he's. I mean... It's going to be a real shame to lose. I accept that may be an inevitability, but you know he what he provides both attacking and and kind of you know tracking back. He's absolutely essential, and he's such a great player. Mm. Um, and his work rate was just brilliant yesterday. Like I say, you've seen you, we've seen games where strikers like that have very little 
in terms of the ball to come in. He, he nearly did have a half a chance at the start of the second half when the cross came in. And he maybe he should have gone for it with his head, but he sort of oh, went yeah. for it with, with a high foot. But, you know, he we know what you're going to get from him. I mean, we've said it a few times now since the end of the, the transfer window. It, it could have been easy for him to down tools, but yet that hasn't been the case at all, really, is it? No, and I think it's sort of like it's, it's testament to the guy's character that he's, you know, he's still being professional and putting the ball in the back of a net. Okay, he didn't do it yesterday. But I think if you found his stats for the running of a team yesterday, he's probably in the top mm. three people running. And I thought second half, when he had um, Hemed alongside him, mm. what it did do, it stretched their back four a bit better. And he pulled out a lot, lot wider sometimes. And it gave sort of like almost a lot more space in the middle. I'd, you know, I'd rather play him alongside another striker. Mm. And I thought for the second half, I know we had our sort of like backs of a wall for the last 10, 15 minutes. But I think we, we, the second half yesterday was better. Yeah. for us because we had different different slight formation with two strikers yeah I mean well, when let's talk about Tommy Hemed he finally has finally arrived and uh, he, again with Lee Bayer said he's probably a, a while away from full fitness but he did get 45 minutes yesterday um, again probably not the easiest game to judge him on but he did do a, a fair bit of tracking back and, and getting back to help the defence I don't think the ball really stuck with him too much up top but for a first game of a season and in the, the circumstances we were in, I imagine, he's, first of all, he's pleased to get out there and get that 45 minutes, first of all. Yeah, he, he looked promising, I thought. Um, you know, he was hard working. I think, he, like you say, quite he quite clearly lacks a bit of match fitness. Um, I think we knew he was going to be fairly rusty coming in. You know, it was, it was good to sort of ease him into it. Although, as you say, that's probably not the best game to kind <laughs> of uh, see his attacking prowess. But um, no, I like the look of him. I think he won a fair bit in the air. Um, you know, he's hard working. I could, I could see him and Taylor for different reasons being a good a good pairing, um, especially, you know, I, I don't know if Chuck's illness is anything to worry about too much. But um, I, I mean, I thought Leco as well looked a bit tight. There, there are going to be games where I think Taylor and Hemed may be the best options. Mm. And then you kind of have Leco's pace and maybe Aneki's strength um, as, as kind of useful backups. But, you know, it's it, it's nice to just have that option yeah. of having a different a different um, yeah. You're, you're right to pick it up there actually we haven't really mentioned Leco again very quite quiet yesterday considering how, how good he has been at times so far this season um, and, and he, he came off quite was it half time he came off wasn't it so not not his day but at the same time it wasn't the sort of day for a Charlton to be going full full throttle down the wings was it yeah I mean he, he had tracked back and he helped um, mm. Deji where he could um, I, again he didn't see a lot of a ball out on that side so I think sometimes that shows, you know, his age and experience instead of thinking, you know, do I go inside, do I look for it? And it was a course of caught between two minds, you know, do I stay where I am and hope to get a ball out? Um, and also, I think he did look tired. It seems strange to say, you know, a 19-year-old, he's only played 90 minutes on a Wednesday and he was tired. But, you know, it's running, you know, it's sapping his strength. So I, I wasn't surprised. I think, unfortunately, the injury to Deji sort of like forced our hand a bit because we had to make such an early sub. So, you know, you were you already won substitution down. Mm. And so then we're two at half-time as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting the way that, that pan, panned out. So, here's a first clean sheet of the season. So, that was, I guess, the only bugbear we would have had with our first four games was the fact that we hadn't kept a clean sheet yet. And mm. uh, to keep it in such circumstances... You know, I, I think Bo will be happy with that, the way that they fought hard to, to make sure that it was it was Brentford nil at the end of the game. Yeah, I think, you know, just just from the defensive effort, I feel like that clean sheet is is merited from that, that performance. Um, you know, you look at you look at Lockyer and Pierce in particular, they they fully deserved uh, to keep that. Um, you know, you look at the fact that we had to we had to sub on a different right back. I think Perrington had another solid game. I think really it was a defensive, a real defensive masterclass mm. yesterday. We were yeah. really, yeah, great. Yeah, but from a Brentford point of view, I guess they'll be thinking, oh, we'll, 
We're probably missing a, a Lyle Taylor. <laughs> that must have been particularly hard to take. I mean, Thomas Frank came into this very room actually after the game to to speak to Radio London, and he, I could see he was going sort of through the stats on his phone. And he was sort of shaking his head, looking at the amount of chances, well, shots they had. But when you think, in fact, clear cut chances, they didn't work. Yeah, Dylan I just, enough. I think Dylan made one save, which was from a long range shot, yeah, sort of in the second half. Yeah, and it was it was a good save as well. Um, he, he did like one fumble. Mm. Um, Punching wasn't too bad. Yeah, you know, he he, he cleared out. I think he, he he came out. He punched and he managed to take both Pierce and Lockyer with him <laughs> at the same time. And uh, no, I I I'd seen some a few people on Twitter beforehand were saying they wanted Amos in. They want Amos in, and I'm thinking, well, we've not lost yet. And mm. It's not like Dylan's been particularly responsible. Okay, the Stoke goal, I I thought I mean, possibly he was positioning was bad, mm. but you know he'd have picked up on that with Andy Marshall. You know, they sit and look through the game and you can say, right, you know, this is where you've made a mistake. He is still fairly a young keeper for us. And uh, I, I like deals in goal. So mm. I, I, th- I think he's he's going to make... He's, he's got a great, fantastic shot-stopping ability in him. Mm. So mm. you will see something which will go through and you're thinking... It reminds me a bit almost like a Dean Kiley. Yeah. Where, you know, he's not going to be spectacular, but every now and then he'll just pull one out and you're thinking, how how did he stop that? Yeah, no, we're, uh, we're a very uh, pro Dylan Phillips show, Charlton. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that comes from me, yeah. I think. But yeah, I do like uh, I do like Dylan. I mean, one thing we haven't mentioned yet is the fact that we're now, is it 20 games unbeaten at home? Or yeah. Nine? yeah, 20 games, Something league like games. That's incredible, yeah. isn't it? I mean, we, it's a cliche, but you, you, you build a fortress at, yeah. at the Valley and that's half. That's halfway to, to securing your safety. And you know, if, if we can keep that going for another five games or so, I mean, we would have gained a lot of the points that we need to to find safety already. Yeah, I think if you're still looking down as opposed to up, which uh, you know, query whether that's still the case, <laughs> but um, I think it's so important that you establish a, a really good home form. Um, I think Luton again, another team we've had a, a sensational run of form at Kenilworth Road. Um, and they, I think they've just lost that, and they start. They're now starting to look a little bit like cracks are showing. Mm. And I think as long as we can keep up the home form, if you're thinking, you know, you'll take anything north of twenty first this season, I think you know making yeah. the Valley of Fortress is essential. So. Yeah. There were some interesting comments really in the in the press conference yesterday uh, from Bowie. I mean, there was one really funny one where someone said, "Oh." Um, you know, was there any point today where you, where you thought that's it, we're over the line? And Bo said you must be having a laugh. But then he also <laughs> he also laughed at someone else who asked if he was, you know, he sort of asked a question about the top six. He sort of said, "You're crazy. We're not thinking about that. We're still mm. thinking about staying up." But he did he did say, "Let's get to you know that level of points." He didn't say a number, but I mean, people talk about fifty yeah, in the I championship. Think, yeah. I think realistically, it's forty five the mm. last few seasons. But you get to forty five, fifty points, and then maybe you start thinking about what what could happen. But I think. Don't get your expectations too high. It seems to be what Bayou's going for at the moment. Let's let's get safe first, and and then and then worry about it. But I mean, when when you know, who do you think will play in the playoffs, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> um, would could we finish top six? I mean, I said this, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and anything is possible. And I think you know, let's say we're now we're going to be in September, and we haven't been beaten since October, I believe, of last year. Someone's probably going to correct you. Is October or November? Is October? Is October? October from last year. So. It's almost, you know, 11 months where we've been unbeaten in the league at home, not counting the um, playoff game. Which we don't talk about. Which we don't talk about. <laughs> right. I don't, need so, to, don't need to count that one. So, um, I, don't, I don't see why not. I don't think anyone's really going to grab this league by the scruff of the neck and run away with it this season. Yeah. I really don't. I mean, I know everyone talks about the big boys. Mm. And like I said, all that does is put more pressure. I mean, Leeds fans are... Um, 
the pressure on that they put on their own team, you've got to think, yourself, they've got to have a character to deal with that. Mm. And so there's, there's, what pressure is there on us? We've got the smallest budget, you know, the, the cheapest squad, and there's, there's virtually no pressure. I think that's what it shows. I mean, Barnsley lost their home record yesterday. Mm. So, I mean, we'll, we'll lose it eventually, but I can't see it because I just can't, I think the work Bowie makes them put in. Yeah. So... Let's enjoy the ride. That's what I'm doing. Right, um, don't forget, you can have your say on this evening's show. You can email us, studio at charltonlive.co.uk. You can tweet us at charltonlive, or you can head over to the Charlton Life Forum and uh, tell us anything you want to you tell us about yesterday's performance uh, against uh, Brentford. I think it's about time we hear from the man who organised it. Lee Bayer, the Addicts boss, was uh, kind enough to come and speak to Terry after yesterday's game. Uh, he agreed that the victory could be described as uh, winning ugly. Yeah, um, and, and again, I thought if we look at the two games uh, that's been here at the Valley over the last three days or whatever it is, and you'd have said, look, you got you take four points from from Forest and, and Brentford, I'd have took it because you're talking about two very good teams. Brentford are tipped to be in the top six; they're they're a good side, and, and we all witnessed that today. In 30 degree heat after Wednesday night's performance I knew it was going to be difficult I knew they was going to just fade at the end again but we have a group that's just don't give up they don't know when the game's done and they just keep digging in and digging in until the final whistle goes and Thankfully for me and and all our fans, we we have a group of lads that just keep putting their body on the line. And today, that's what they had to do. Sometimes you have to win ugly, and and when you're not at your best, because on Wednesday night we was unreal, and we come away with a point. And then today we had to dig in and compete and fight at times, and we come away with three points. And unfortunately, that's. That's why everyone loves the game of football because it's so unpredictable. But again, we've we've just beaten a good good team uh, in Brentford. So um, for me, I said to the players, I, I, "I love you all because you just give me everything every single time they step on the pitch." And as a manager, that's all you ask. And um, I know we're always going to score goals. I know that. But to give me that effort and that fight and desire every single week, every single game, it's it's unreal, you know. When you're preparing or were preparing with the turn of backroom staff and everybody preparing for this championship season, today's the sort of games you 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 were asking them to prepare for because uh, you know the good sides that are in the championship, uh, and I think fans as well. Is this the sort of uh, level of uh, performance and and resilience? You're saying that we had to do to, to get to, to get any sort of points. Yeah, we, you you have to be like we have to be patient. You know, there's in this division like the other nights. Let's go back to Wednesday night. You see, we we battered uh, Forest for majority of the game. Then they get one chance from a from a corner that hits someone, falls in their path, shot goal. Dylan didn't have to make another save. So that's how tough it is in this league. If someone gets a chance, they normally take it. And they're ruthless. And, and that's what just shows today. Like Dylan, 
making saves, people diving in front of shots. And, and the pleasing thing for me as well, you've got to remember, we've got people on loan. Sam Field, young lad, come diving in front of shots when he came on. You've got Tamar that, that come on. He's playing in like left back towards the end. Like they're just throwing everything. They're throwing a kitchen sink at us. And Tamar's in a left back position, defending the far post. These are lads that people say when you have loans, they don't care. They've all took on board what we have here. And, and they're like, yeah, I want to be part of that. And they know they have to do that because the lads as a group, that's what we all uh, push for and, and, and demand. So for, I, I loved that performance today. Just as much as, if anything, more than Wednesdays. But for a fan to see your team doing that, it must be great, no? Like, no question it must about be. it. No question about it. I mean, we, uh, it was very difficult to commentate on that last bit uh, where uh, <laughs> I don't know how many bodies were thrown in front of yeah, yeah. the ball in that last uh, sort of foray from uh, from Brentford towards the end there. But pretty much, it looked like pretty much everybody at some point threw their body in front of the, in front of the ball. Yeah, and, and that's what you have to do. You have to do that to win games. We're going to have to do that all season. It's not. We've only played what five games now. We're going to have to do that all season, every game. We're going to have to put. Uh, Sometimes someone's going to have to put their body on the line and and try and take one for the team. And hopefully it's not going to be as many as it was today. But again, that comes down to Wednesday because how good we was and how hard we worked Wednesday. The turnaround was so short, and it was difficult for them to recover. Like uh, Leco, like he looked so tired on on uh, in the first half. But how many changes do you make? Like we made three. You make six, seven. Like it's difficult because you think you don't deserve to come out because you've done so well. But I think again we we got it right, you know. And um, so yeah, most important thing is is the three points. I don't know if you felt on the sidelines because uh, I think we did in, in the commentary box with uh, Brentford having quite a, an, a huge amount of possession in that in the first um, mm. sort of thirty-five minutes. You made a slight change when Deji went off, uh, went through at the back and matched them a yeah. little bit, and we, we we looked like we were getting more into it. But it was getting that way where we had no shots on target, and and uh, I think I said, you know, it's shaping up because they did, even though they had a possession, they didn't look like they were threatening us, no. not in front of goal. So no. you had that. Did you have that feeling that uh, one decent effort and we might uh, we might be able to open them up? Yeah, because uh, again, the way we had to set up today because they're a very good side. They've got the three up top. Their movement is very good. They hurt teams. So we had to keep our shape. We can't be, we couldn't be pressing. It's thirty degrees. Can't be pressing. You'd be dead at half time. So it was like, right, just get into your shape. If you can't win it initially in the first couple of seconds, then get into your shape. Then make it difficult. Let they can have the ball in front of you. Not going to hurt you. So and and that's what we done. And then I always know, not new today. I know that whenever we're playing a game, we are going to create chances whether it's one whether it's ten and today we, we created not many chances but thankfully we took them the movement uh, and the work rate for initially from Josh and, uh, and Johnny to, to, to make the goal in the first place was impressive enough but the movement from Connor and the finish from a young man yeah. that was outstanding yeah yeah the finish was very good um, but again you've got to be brave like it's, it's, it's being brave going through 1v1 and then finishing it the way he did but there's it's also being brave in having the bravery to run forward to get yourself into that situation like it's easy just to stand still and say pass it to my feet um, but the thing that Connor's taken on board is like yeah if I keep running forward 
I keep telling him, keep running forward. The fellas don't want to track you. The fellas you're playing against don't want to track you. You keep running forward, you're going to keep scoring goals. Uh, and thankfully, again, he's done it again for us today. Uh, you talk about the squad and, uh, and the need for, for bringing in players. Had to do it again quite early on with Deji, going off um, with what looked like a groin problem. was. Uh, but George coming on didn't, yeah. uh, didn't let you down at all. No, no. Um, obviously, Deji, the only position that we ain't kind of covering is just uh, life, isn't it? We'd, same was last season in left back. Um, so, yeah, but George was, was outstanding. Um, I think he played there once last season towards the end of the season against Gillian and wing-back wing so um, yeah it's, it simplifies it for George because then it's like right, you play against their wing-back wing-back against wing-back mm-hmm. is simple who wins that battle um, and George loves battles that, if there's one thing he does love that's a battle so and for me he came out on top and yeah, he done, he done himself no harm and, and that's I know you're always going to get that from him you know he gives you everything and he run through a brick wall for you. Too early, I guess, to see uh, the extent of uh, Deji's injury. But uh, are, we, are we getting Chris Sonny back for the next one? Is that concussion period now over? Uh, I hope so. Again, this is all out of my hands. It's, it's down to medical stuff. He's getting tested every day and there's like some special protocol I have to go through. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, we have to do the right thing by him. You know, It's, it's dangerous, so... He was in a bad way, so I don't know if he'd be ready for, uh, for for next week. I'd like to think so, but you just never know. We got to, we just had two really tough games. Obviously, Reading coming up is going to be uh, be another one. Uh, but uh, will there be some small glow of satisfaction when uh, with the players and yourselves try and chill out tomorrow when they see second in the table with five games come? Yeah, yeah, but we can't get ahead of ourselves. Like we know, there's another forty odd to go. So that's 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 a ridiculous thing. Like we've we've played a good few games now already, and there was still forty something to go. It's crazy, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'd rather be sitting second top than second bottom. It, it makes life a bit easier. And um, but let's not forget, like what what our achievement is this year is to stay in the league. Um, but I would like to to go into next week and. And go into the international break unbeaten. That, that would be good. And then we can all regroup, have a rest, um, and get ourselves ready for for the next battle. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bowers there. Pierces there. Bowers there. And it's John. Oh, Patrick Barr! You absolute German beauty! 
Welcome back, it's Charlton Live here, live on your Sunday evening, uh, coming to you from the Valley. We just heard there from Lee Bayer and then the mascots from yesterday. I hope they had a great day uh, here at the Valley. Um, Ollie, Lee Bayer, um, we, we like to give everyone the, the, a chance to come on the show and just say how much they love Lee Bayer. So obviously it's your first show, so you can tell us how great a job Lee Bayer's done. I adore him. Uh, yeah, no, he's, he's, um, he's been fantastic. I think I don't think anyone really expected him to be this good. Um but I think alongside Gallon and particularly Jacko as well, I think they're just yeah a, tr- a trio to be to be feared. Mm. Um, I think he's he's shown an incredible amount of tactical awareness for someone who's never actually coached before. I think mm. is one thing I'd say. But he's yeah he's been he's been a breath of fresh air. That's my favourite thing about Bose is the way he he's quite happy to come out and talk about how we change something and why he changed something. So he said on you know the Barnsley game for example, he talked about how oh, we knew that their their fullbacks were going to be quite advanced, so we played a lot of long ball stuff, and how yesterday he knew Brentford are a team that are going to control a lot of possession, so we made it difficult for them. We knew we were going to sit back, especially when he took into account the weather and stuff like that, how hot it was. He he always seems to have a plan for how the game's going to go, but also he's always prepared to change it when things aren't quite going right as well. Well, I think we've suffered, you know, over over years with one of a multitude of managers where they refused to sort of like change it. If it mm. didn't work, keep doing it. And you, we used to come into the studio and go, why didn't you change it sooner? You know, it's what, 15 minutes to go, then you've made a sub. I mean, Bowie is very reactive. You know, if he, he can see it, you know, he's a bit more switched on down there. And he can, him alongside Jacko, I think, you know, they're talking all the time and they can see if something's not working, like he did when he swapped to the diamond um, against Stoke. And, it, you know, it's, it's, it is refreshing to see. Mm. Yeah, certainly is. Right, don't forget, coming up later on tonight's show, uh, we're going to hear an audio diary of our trip to the Charlton Athletic Museum, uh, let you know what sort of uh, interesting exhibits they have in there. Uh, we've also got some reaction to Charlton Athletic Women's first uh, championship game of the campaign. They drew uh, 0-0 with Lewis earlier on today. We're going to hear from uh, Kim Dixon, who's a first-team coach now, Charlton legend, uh, Kim Dixon. Uh, but we've also got loads of tweets and emails to come to uh, from yesterday's uh, game. Uh, the first one came in from Ev James. You can uh, you can join us as well. Don't forget, tweet us at Charlton Live, email studio at charltonlive.co.uk or head over to the Charlton Live forum. There's a thread on there for tonight's show where a few people have had their say as well. So Ev uh, tweeted in yesterday, work rate, tenacity, endurance, skill, determination, teamwork, bodies on the line. That's why I've said from the start, we'll at least make the playoff final. Early I know, uh, but you just have this gut feeling. Keep the faith and believe. In fairness to Ev, last season, he kept saying that we get promoted, even at times where it didn't look like we would. So, uh, you know, never always take Ev's predictions seriously. Right, Robert uh, tweets in, Is it just me, but when Boya, brackets God, speaks about his players, it brings tears to my eyes. Does it bring tears to your eyes, Ollie? Uh, I probably wouldn't <laughs> go quite that far, but he, yeah, no, he does certainly seem to have a really good... Uh, Good bond and kind of chemistry, particularly with the younger players. Um, yeah. I think I think I recall. I think Gallagher and Lockyer as well. They both 
cited a huge reason as to why mm. they came to the club as being Bowyer's kind of influence, yeah. and that's, yeah. I think that's essential. So yeah, a lot of people say. I mean, <clears> I think Taylor did as well in the early part of last season. They talk about you know playing for a manager who's played in the Champions League semi-finals. He played at the very top level in in, in club football, and he he knows his stuff. And um, right, Ev comes back says, uh, right, okay, so this is something that I knew that was going to come up at some point. Um, now yesterday evening, I was out and about to be honest, so I didn't really catch up with too much of this until I got home. So I missed I missed when it happened. Now. There was some sort of issue going on with Lyle Taylor after the game yesterday. It's ended up in him coming off Twitter as well, it would appear. Um, but before he deleted his Twitter, he tweeted something along the lines of disappointed in two idiots running, uh, ruining it for everyone today. So disrespectful. I take so much time to sign things and take pictures with fans and a pair of idiots ruined it for everyone. I shouldn't have to take to social media to ask for some respect, but I feel I do. So I kindly ask that people respect me enough not to come to my house or wait outside my house asking for pictures and autographs and I request that on a match day people wait I will get round to everyone all of the players always do we know understand and accept that the fan base is the life and soul of the football club but to be called a tart when someone stamps on your foot pushing past security having been asked to wait is disrespectful and I don't disrespect any Charlton fans so Lyle tweeted that last night before then deleting his Twitter so it's no longer available those tweets but uh, someone did take a screenshot um so i mean that sounds we don't know what's happened there it doesn't sound like a a nice situation there and and, i mean if someone's gone to lyle taylor's house and that is majorly uh, overstepping the mark there um if someone's pushed past him or called him a name or something outside the stadium as well that's not on either you know i'm i'm normally sort of walking past as the players are leaving roughly at that time and they always stop and it sound you don't want to hear like stuff like anything like that unsavory going on, do you? No, and uh, it's disgusting if someone's acted like that towards him. And like I said, it is disrespectful. You know, we don't know the full facts of the story, but if it's enough for the guy to delete everything off his Twitter and come off Twitter, it's not good because you do see him taking so many photos and pictures, and happy to do so. So I think if someone's been impatient. And not wanted to wait, and the security. It seemed like security have asked him, "Look, can you wait? Because he will get round to you." And they've stormed off in a strop. You know, it's it's sad. It's mm. just a sad situation. Yeah. So Ev saying, if if what I hear is true that Lyle Taylor had idiots pestering him at his house, then it's no wonder he's edging away from signing a contract. I personally don't like the fella. He's over egotistical, but can score goals, make the most of the fella, and get up as high up the table as possible before he legs it. We should have enough firepower with Hemed and our wonderful midfield. I just wish people would leave this fella alone. Yeah. So I mean it. If if what we're gathering from those tweets is that people have actually gone to his house, I mean, that is ridiculous. I cannot believe people who would do that. I mean, you forget that these footballers are real people with families, with whatever, with, with, with their own lives to live outside of the football club. I'd be fuming if someone turned up outside my house that was something to do with my line of work, you know, and you would do too. So, you know... I, I, you talk about his contract situation, which is probably a separate discussion to this, but Lyle, uh, Ev has brought that up there in that tweet. Um, we know it's probably unlikely he's going to sign a new one purely because of the finances of, of how Charlton are going at the moment. Yeah, and I think that's um, you know that's something you have to just come to accept. I think uh, I, just, I mean I reiterate what you said. It's sort of it's it's, it's really unsavoury to hear that people are sort of uh, you know bothering him outside of outside of the football pitch. Um, you know I can speak from. The player of the year dinner, for example, last year he stood for hours, you know, with people. Mm. Um, so he's that you, you can't accuse him of just kind of being willing to just sort of throw off, throw a strop with the fans. But um, 
Yeah, I mean the contract situation is a pretty pretty annoying one. Um, I think it's it's pretty likely he's, he's gonna he's gonna go off in January. Um, and I think you know, particularly given that he's twenty nine, he's kind of just bordering on going past his peak. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised, as Mark says, if if a sort of Villa or Norwich comes in for him in the in the same way that that Grant did last season. Um, because you know, for, for the fee that he'd probably attract at his age, I think he's probably worth a punt. Because mm. he's the sort of player that, that his attributes mean he could probably do it at basically any level. And at, you know, at worst, he's going to give you a fantastic work ethic. So, yeah, I, I'd be shocked if he's still here in, in after the the uh, January window's done. Yeah, there we go. Right, Spencer uh, tweets in absolutely incredible defending yesterday. Dare I say that Lockyer is better than our Wembley hero, the BFG? Oh, where where where'd you land on that one, Mark? <sighs> I was thinking about earlier, and I'm thinking, you know, as much as we're grateful for what Pat did and he made some immense performances, he also was quite prone to a ricket. Mm. You know, could be t- he turned, he slipped. I mean, we have well, that, I, I that could it, happen I, to anybody. I thought he got that out of his game in his last so couple of years, but first yeah, two years, I did think he was very so prone to that. Yeah, but I mean, we did. You know, he, he was he was a secure rock at the back for us. But Lockyer, you know, like Ollie said earlier, he, he's he's got some speed about him. And it's yeah. deceptively fast and will take it off your toe. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, if we'd had Bowyer, um, Bowyer, Bauer yesterday there, so like I say, Bauer and Saar as our two centre halves, I don't think we'd have won that game. I, I honestly don't. And I, yeah. I there's no, don't mean that as a discredit to them. I just mean it as a credit to Lockyer and Pierce, the way they played. So I, I just think it's an experience thing. <laughs> As well, uh, Tom's just tweeted in that he was going to turn up at mine uh, with some cloud water. He won't bother now because I'm being <laughs> allowed to come to my house. He said, uh, "Yeah, they'd be trying to." People keep tweeting me about this cloud water beer. I need to try it. Although, if it, with the Audi cider, if I say it enough on the show, someone's going to send me some. So there we go. Yeah, we enjoyed our Audi cider on, uh, on on Thursday. For those of you who weren't weren't listening on Thursday night, um, a couple of the uh, a couple of the mascots on Wednesday, Elise and Sophie, bought us a bottle of Audi cider, uh, and then we, me and Tom, drunk it on uh, on Thursday, and it was as disgusting as as we hoped right um jonathan ackworth uh, uh did mention about would you bring in another keeper he, he felt that dylan's been a bit shaky at the moment we did sort of talk about that earlier but um, yeah it's interesting that, that jonathan said that right little uh liam says uh, an all-round great team performance once again prattley was the unsung hero gallagher was tracking uh, tracking back to help lapsley after every attack that they had uh, but he says that his men of the match were lockyer and Pierce, and he says, "Get me to Reading." Yeah, looking forward to to the Reading game next week. Uh, sold out as well. Uh, should be it should be an interesting one, tough one. But uh, yeah, hopefully Charlton can go. In. If we can get into that international break unbeaten, still, I mean that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? But we'll uh, we'll see. Uh, Robert uh, Robbie says, uh, "Thank God for the break coming up uh, soon." The team is shattered with two physical games and four points in the space of a week. They do need a recharge. Uh, the squad depth finally looks good, though. Uh, so many players not fully match fit yet, and new players still to get up to speed with formation etc uh, it looks promising yeah I mean we Berem Kyle we haven't even spoke about him yet I mean he's he's meant to be really good I can't say I've seen him too much of him over the last few years but he's supposedly another very high quality addition I mean that's the thing we, we've still got a couple of players in, in in the wings waiting to come in as well yeah I mean I, I, if I recall I think we, uh, there was a game at the Amex where I remember seeing Kyle and he really was a very impressive player he's got a kind of dynamism that is sort of akin to an Oztumer type player, but he plays more at the sort of base of the diamond. So mm. I, I suspect he and probably Prattley would be battling out. But you know, I mean, like you say, he's he's got to come in. He hasn't even he hasn't even featured yet. I think Hemed will still need a little while, and that that break's going to be great for him. I think Jake, you know, hasn't necessarily hit the ground running this season, but he's 
probably you know I mean, he's out for a year he's got yeah, some time to go be, so. and we know how good he can be don't yeah. we so there we go right Sue now Sue's pointed out a, a tweet uh, by Jack Bennett saying we should do a segment on this tonight so Pearson, uh, so Jack says Pearson Lockyer could could have defended the Titanic from from the iceberg now Mark, Mark had a couple of these early on in the show but if you've you got anything you think that Pearson and Lockyer could have defended us from uh, let us know right uh, John says uh, Roddy Biggs didn't get away with it but we did uh, mind you there was some serious defending out there proud of their efforts now Jim Bob alright I'm not going to respond to this tweet but he's saying if we didn't mention something else that happened today that he wouldn't be happy but I don't want to ruin it for anyone who's going to watch the highlights so Jim I, I won't go too del- uh, delve too deep into that but yeah anyone who does know what happened this afternoon will know what we're talking about there <laughs> right David says a champagne supernova summer uh, never seen anything like it with us going up uh, and then yeah something about uh, something else alright and then the Ben Stokes Sundays at the World Cup final <laughs> Uh, and today's so-and-so. Right, I'm, I'm trying desperately not to give away too many spoilers for anyone who's waiting for Channel 5. Um, life is good, uh, excluding that lot winning at Old Trafford yesterday. And the worst thing about Palace winning at Old Trafford yesterday is I had a bet against them, uh, and I've lost I've lost out on some money there. Right, uh, Martin said, I expected us to start well because we ended the season on a great run and have the momentum behind us. It helps that Gallon and Boya have made the squad better uh, than last season's Two. Mark Anderson then says he's uh, right. I'm cooking a risotto from scratch. The Chapman Live need to give him some inspiration. Uh, he does say he's off the cider this evening, though. So that's a shame, Mark. I hope you can get back on the cider as soon as possible. Right, Cliff says uh, evening, guys. A brilliant battling performance yesterday. Those blocks in the last seconds were unbelievable. Thought Lapsley was excellent when he came on. Uh, seen a lot of things on Twitter about Lyle Taylor today. Not sure what's going on, but no player is bigger than the club. Interesting point. I don't think that's really the situation that's going on here. I don't think he's claiming to be bigger than the club or you know, all of a sudden he's leaving. All we know is he's gone off Twitter based on what, he, what appears to be something unsavoury that happened after the game yesterday. So, I mean, I think we've covered that now, but hopefully um, hopefully, nothing too bad will come from that. Um, 100% Charlton says, our centre-backs blocked more shots today uh, than Duchatelet has blocked potential buyers from purchasing our club. <laughs> he says, did someone say second EIEIO up the Football League? Uh, we go. Rag says, lovely. We worry about Taylor going, but kindly speaking, he can be replaced. Replacing Lee and his enthusiasm when those clubs come knocking is going to be tough. Uh, it's going to be a tough time, but inevitable. Great show as always. <laughs> Cheers for that. Uh, Rag. Steph says, a great interview. Yeah, it really was. Tell done a, a great interview with Bo there. Listening to Bo's, I hang on every word. Love this man, and we all need to appreciate how lucky we are to have him. Jacko and Steve uh, as well. I remember watching Lee's Charlton debut many, many years ago with my wonderful uh, dad at my I said, yeah, I remember when, when Bose was first as a player here. I was still quite a young supporter at the time, but I do remember him being, everyone being very excited about his uh, his uh, his upcoming career, and he certainly had a very good one. Right, we're going to have a break here on Charlton Live. We're also going to bid farewell uh, to Mark Newbury. Uh, the rules are that because of uh, his uh, childcare situation, he can only give us an hour. But it's great to have you, Mark. Thanks for, for joining no, us. And, thank uh, you for having me yeah, again. And we shall see you uh, again, I'm sure, within uh, within the next few weeks. So we're going to have a break here on Charlton Live. We've still got plenty of stuff uh, coming up in the, in the remaining half an hour we're going to hear from the Charlton Athletic Museum and we're going to hear from the women's game today Uh, we've also still got plenty of your messages to read out back in 30 seconds to Lecco who's just running through the centre circle he had Solly on the overlap but goes Great. to the far side what of Lyle Taylor on the edge of the area up against Bath the captain right on the corner of the penalty area cuts inside onto his right foot and shoots yeah! goal! It's it! What a goal! Taylor with an unbelievable strike from the edge of the box 
It was a great ball from Lecco, who came through the centre circle. He had Solly on the overlap on his right. Instead, chose to go over to the left, and Lyle Taylor, who drifted into a bit of space, Bath came to close him down. He stepped inside on his right foot and smashed it past Jack Butland's left-hand post. Welcome back, it's Charlton Live here on your Sunday evening. No more Mark Newbury, but you've still got uh, myself, Louis Mendes, and we've got Ollie White in the studio on his uh, Charlton Live debut. Uh, so a big half an hour coming up for you here. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a great show so far. Uh, loads of you interacting after yesterday's superb uh, 1-0 victory over Brentford here at the Valley. Mark Cutler says, Hello, it's my girlfriend's 40th birthday on Wednesday, and one of her all-time dreams is for somebody to care about her that much that they dedicate a song to her on the radio. So I thought Charlton Live was the next best thing. Yeah, we don't really do songs, do we? You can have the last jingle, um, so Mark Cutler's girlfriend. That was for you. Uh, he says, uh, she's become a big Charlton fan with little encouragement from me. Uh, can you assist me in making her dream come true? I know you don't really do songs, but please could you at least give her a shout-out for the big 40 on Wednesday. Her name is Claire, so uh, happy birthday, Claire, for Wednesday. Uh, hope you enjoy it. That's from Mark Cutler. Uh, right, and we had a message in from CFC underscore Ollie uh, has, as well. It says, the performance yesterday was outstanding. Everyone uh, played with their heart on their sleeve against a title-challenging Brentford. Tom Lockyer is arguably better defensively than Bauer, wins so many loose balls and so many tackles and so many high balls in the air for his height. He is the signing of the summer so far. Uh, he says, but it was a poor performance on the footballing side, but three points is three points. And now he's looking ahead. You saying Man City away next season? Well, we might be getting carried away there, but who knows? He says, come on, you Reds, bring on Reading and let's go unbeaten in our first month back in the Championship, uh, which I can't believe uh, would have happened when, when you asked that at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, how big psychologically do you think it could be if we can get past that, real, that you know, beyond that Reading game, first month unbeaten, you know, going to that international break, still with a zero in the losses column? Uh, I mean, I think it's, um, it's a big mental statement that you make. Um, and I think that particularly when you've got a lot of players still to come back, uh, and in Kyle's case, still hasn't even featured. You know, you you start to kind of look up rather than down. Um, I think if you if you've gone unbeaten for that long, you, you, you know, you start to make the home ground a fortress. You start to look promising away, and then you got a real depth to your squad and a real kind of buzz around the place. And uh, yeah, I think it can be huge. I think mm. um, players really thrive on that sort of uh, on that sort of optimism. So. Mm. Excellent stuff. Right, we've got some emails in. Adam Biggs, one of the Charlton Upbeats, who's always getting in contact with the show. Uh, evening, Adam. I hope you're well. He says, uh, I'm glad that Charlton won and got three points uh, on the table. Can I have a shout out for Adam Biggs? I'm a massive uh, Charlton fan. Uh, it says, yeah, yeah. So there you go, Adam. Thanks for that. And he says he wants Lee Boyer to do uh, do well. And he said he enjoyed listening to his interview after the match. So thanks for your email, uh, Adam. We've got an email in from Jake as well. Hi, guys. Hope you're all well. Yes, we certainly are, Jake, after yesterday's uh, three points. What a defensive performance that was. We threw everything at that Pearson Lockyer were absolutely fantastic no nonsense centre backs and not forgetting Prattley who also put a shift in as always I think Lapsley had a fantastic game after coming on I think at one point he made three consecutive tackles the only downside I think Dylan's distribution was very poor uh, had it been a bit better maybe we could have relieved a bit of the pressure uh, it says can we end the season now the Reds are going up and well did you did you notice Dylan's distribution I mean the, we have to Admit, like, whoever was clearing it, it was not sticking up top at any point it felt yesterday. Like, every time it went out, it came back. And yeah. maybe was part of that due to, to the goalkeeper not picking out Lyle Taylor? It was pretty isolated, I guess. I think so. But I think, you know, it's it's kind of inevitable in those sorts of games that, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, if you're the keeper in that sort of game. You know, if you play from the back and they're, they, they to be fair to, to Brentford, they pressed really well. So I think if, you know, if Dylan is sort of knocking the ball to the fullback every time and then we're getting caught... 
that's that's far more kind of egregious a sin than sort of you know whacking it and then having it come mm. straight back. But I do think just in general, Dylan's uh, distribution wasn't great yesterday, um, and I think he flapped at a couple. Um, I'd still keep him in because I think he's one of those players that you need uh, to you know co- to instill confidence in. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily give Amos a, a run yet, but he's certainly got to be sort of um, you know asking questions at some point, and I think it's gonna you know encourage Dylan to sort of keep his keep his game in check. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mark kind of touched on it earlier. He's, he's a great shot stopper. Yeah, um, and, and that's it, his main job. So. Well, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I think Kylie used to not be a great kicker. And that, that's <laughs> it's definitely the worst. Yeah. It's, it's definitely the best of the uh, the sins you can commit as a keeper to yeah. be a bad kicker. So you know. that's, that's one of the weird uh, legacies that Dean Kylie had, you know, because he was a great goalkeeper. <laughs> but it went on for years that any time a goalkeeper put the ball out into the stands, everyone <laughs> would ch- chant Dino, Dino, just because that's what Dean Kylie used to do uh, a lot as well. Right, Sam Cooper emails in. Again, sort of touching on the Lyle Taylor stuff. It's says, uh, love the show and always listen to the podcast. Thanks for that, Sam. Uh, I'd like to get your honest thoughts and insight into the Taylor situation. Coming off Twitter, not talking to fans after the game uh, and rumours that fans have been to his house. Uh, something is going on and it's being quashed and it will ruin our team spirit uh, before long. So, I mean, the not talking to fans after the game. I mean, if someone has come through and stamped on his foot, which is what his tweets were implying, you can understand why he'd be upset. I mean, Lyle Taylor would speak to anyone. In my experience, if you if you ask him for a, a photograph or or to have a chat with him, you know, there's so so many people who've even seen him down at shops. So he'll, he'll have a photo with him. So I can't imagine if there was a situation where he decided not to talk to fans. I can't imagine that something hadn't happened to cause that. But like I say, normally he would. So I'm I dare say. I, he probably tried to get round to as many as possible yesterday before something's happened by the sounds of it. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who'd, you know, cause drama just for the sake of it or kind of be too much of a prima donna. I think he's, the nature of his game that he's, 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 you know, he gets in the opposition's face and he can be a bit of a wind-up merchant, particularly kind of, you know, on the pitch. But I, I, I mean, I don't know, like, like, you, like you both touched on it earlier, I don't think we really know enough about it, to be honest, but mm. I think it's... Um, Maybe there's some kind of residual feeling from the fact that he was obviously vying for that move in in, in the summer, um, and you know he, it's things that maybe previously he overlooked because he was kind of had that untouchable idol status. Maybe you know now they're starting to get to him slightly more. But he's you know he's an absolute credit to the club and he's a consummate professional. And like you say, everything I've experienced of him mm. is he's just a, a lovely bloke all round. Yeah. So. And the, the most important thing is the fact that he is still playing well for us. He's yeah. still our player. So I don't think it does anyone any favour. You see tweets lying around. I mean. You're tweeting your own player. You're tweeting your own best player. There, mm. it, it's it's pointless. You're yeah. not nothing good's going to come from that. You know, I don't think it's going to affect his decision in terms of whether he does leave in January or not. Because you know, money talks. That's that's what's going to affect his decision and the chance, perhaps, to to play a bigger club or a different club. Who knows? But you know, it it, it certainly won't help his his confidence. And you know, but so far at the same time, it hasn't really affected him. And then uh, right, Philip Leslie still on Lyle Taylor, but this time a, a different question. I think I can actually answer this because I did some excellent eavesdropping. Uh, today at the women's game he says why was there no number or name on the back of Taylor's shirt in the second half uh, then he goes on to say why Why has he deactivated his, his Twitter and how does the Deji song go we can't work out the words so we make noises that sound like the words love the show I need some loving please I drink Aldi cider and email the show love you that's from Philip Leslie right so uh, we, we've sort of touched on the Twitter stuff the Deji song goes he drinks he drinks a vodka he drinks a Jaeger and his head's bloody massive but <laughs> change the word there I think that's based on the um, a song for Harry Maguire apparently yeah. now the no number or name on the back of Taylor's shirt yesterday you would notice in the second half he, had, he he came out with a blank shirt now Grant Basie the kit man former Charlton left back was at the women's game today he was sat about 30 yards from me so I was properly eavesdropping <laughs> but I basically I heard him say uh, that 
Taylor gave away his shirt to a fan on Wednesday. So yeah, all those fans only doesn't care. He's still interacting with fans mm. and uh, basically completely forgot to print a new one. So there we go. <laughs> Normally you'd have a spare, but I think by the sounds of it, Grant admitted that you forgot. Poor timing. Yeah, poor timing. <laughs> Steve uh, emails in, is the poison chalice of manager of the month awaiting for Lee Bowyer? Well, he's, he's got to be in with a shout, surely. I think so. Uh, it's probably either him or Bielsa, but I don't think that Leeds are necessarily doing anything that you know. You, know of, you wouldn't expect, really. No, right? I mean, you know, they they they're always kind of seen as the favourites. They're big money, huge fan base. You know, they're they're probably begrudgingly I have to admit they're probably a Premier League club. You know, des- deservedly so. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think just in terms of the limited resources he's got and kind of what he's had to work with, and particularly kind of how he and Gallon have have mastered the transfer window, I think he just deserves. Yeah, definitely, mm. I, I'd pick him. Yeah. Right, we've still got your messages on the Chapman Life uh, forum to, to come to, but I want to have a little uh, uh, segue into something else for a while now. Um, now, many of you know will, that in the uh, back of the Covered End Upper, uh, there is a museum. The Chapman Athletic Museum has been going for a number of years now. Um, ben Hayes is one of the chaps who runs that museum. He was kind enough on uh, Friday uh, afternoon to open up the museum uh, for myself and my other half Amy and Amy's uh, great uncle uh, Bill. Now Bill's been going down to the valley for years and years and years Charlton absolutely pumps uh, through his veins. Now he's getting on a bit now he doesn't get to games anymore unfortunately but he still absolutely loves the club and uh, when I first met Bill a couple of years ago he, he took me into his sort of study in his house and he was showing me all these old FA Cup tickets from the <laughs> 50s and all these old collectibles and his flag from you know Wembley in 19 1998. He loves that sort of stuff. So I, I thought the museum would absolutely be uh, the best place for him to go and visit. So Ben, would like to say, kind enough to open it up. Um, so you'll, you'll hear a little bit from Bill here, sort of explaining how he came to support the club and how um, how much he enjoyed going to the museum. And also I asked Ben just to, just, just as, as a way of advertising the museum, uh, to tell me about five of his favourite exhibits in there. So this is our, our trip to the museum uh, on, on Friday uh, with Uncle Bill. Uh, I was born in uh, Lewisham and, uh, in 1931, yeah. in July. And how long have you been a Charlton supporter? All my life. And, and ever uh, support any other team. And all my family are Charlton supporters. So Ben, the first item that you picked out as one of your favourite five here at the Charlton Athletic Museum, why don't you talk us through this one? This is a cap that was won by Seth Plum in 1923 and the significance of that is the first international cap ever won by Charlton Platt. So he played for England while he was a third division South player. So that was not as unusual as it would be these days, but still fairly unusual. And he, Seth Plum was part of the first ever Charlton team to really become known on the national stage. They were known as the Giant Killers. They beat Preston and they beat Manchester City and they beat West Brom were all first division teams then and a fantastic cup run. They got to the quarterfinals and were knocked out by the eventual winners in the first Wembley final in 1923, Bolton Wanderers. And because of the fame that the Charlton team had because of this cup run, Seth Plum was picked to play for England so we managed to acquire that cap. We had to pay £1,200 for it which is quite a lot of money. but pretty much the market value for that. but it's unique it's the first cap and there isn't another one like it so when people hear about us fundraising for items it's selling items selling pictures selling shirts that's where the money goes to pay for items like that and also to pay for the cabinet that it's in because what we desperately need are more 
high quality, museum quality cabinets like this one which are lockable, which have adjustable shelving, which have lighting. And we're actually going to launch a scheme where we're going to ask organisations or companies or individuals to sponsor a cabinet. We've already had a few people come forward and say they want to sponsor a cabinet in memory of their family or uh, a relative who, who is a supporter. So we'll, we'll, we'll give you some more details about that as and when it comes out. But if there's anyone listed who wants to get involved in that, uh, please just get in touch with the museum. Now I recognise this one, the Loving Cup. is a tradition that, that's been sort of reignited over the last couple of years, this one. That's right, Keith Peacock restarted this a couple of seasons ago and the, the original idea, this was created by the chairman of Stoke City to commemorate the coronation of King George VI and he gave these cups, there were 28 in total, to all the First Division clubs, which obviously Cheltenham were one at the time, and to Rangers, to the FA. Um, we know there's a few. There's only a few left, Leicester have one, Rangers still have one, I think Derby may have one, we still got one. Uh, and the idea is that every New Year's Day, the directors of the first home game will toast the King, or the Queen as it will be now, and football with the directors of the, the visiting club. And we've still got ours, as I said, Keith has started doing this again, so we very gingerly <laughs> allow it out of the museum to be used. But it always comes back in perfect condition, so it's fine. And it's actually more important that it's used, I think, and those traditions are, are maintained. But it's a, it's a beautiful bit of Staffordshire pottery. Um, don't, I've no idea how much it's worth. I imagine it's fairly collectible, but it, its real value is that tradition and that link back to 1937 and the coronation. So first of all, you saw here at the museum the transfer paperwork for Eddie Fulmani, one of your favourite players from back in the day. What do you remember about Eddie? Um, I used to run two football teams, and uh, we had. Ed, I used to go. We used to go at the end of the season uh, to a hotel where I worked, and Eddie Fulmani was one of our players, guest of honour, mm. and um, he parked his car in the car park of the Roxy. Uh, picture house in Blackheath, Blackheath, and um, and then when we came back from the Palladium, he said, um, "Can anybody go in my way?" And he said, "I'll, I'll give him a lift." He had a Mercedes, <laughs> and we did not have to pay one penny yeah. to invite him to our club. And did it bring back lots of good memories seeing his, his paperwork here in the museum? Yes, yes, it did. Now, anyone who knows anything about Charlton history will know all about this uh, this item in this match, won't they, Ben? I hope so. This is probably after the cup final and the playoff finals, the most talked about, the most remarked upon game in Charlton history when we played Huddersfield at the Valley and were 5-1 down with 24, 28 minutes to go and ended up winning 7-6. So what we have in the museum is the ball that was given to Johnny Summers, who scored five goals that day and it's been inscribed at the time. And so this is the actual match ball from the 7-6 game. Now we've got two items on either side of um, probably one of the hardest parts of Charlton's history, the departure from the Valley and then the return. So the, the first half you hear, you've got the, the whistle from the final game. That's right. Steve Dixon, who some of you may know, his mum worked at the Valley at the time, so he sneaked into the referee's office at, uh, after the game and asked could he have the whistle. So this is the whistle that blew time on the Valley, so we all thought. Um, but as we know, seven years later we did actually come back to the valley and so the, the top and tail, the other 
end of that is this shirt, which is Colin Walsh's shirt that he wore on the day um, against Portsmouth and obviously scored the first goal back at the Valley. We're looking at this photo yeah. as well from the 1947 yeah. FA Cup team. Yeah. I mean, there's so many players you must remember there. Sammy Bartram in goal, of course. Yeah, Sammy, yeah. Yeah, little Duffy. Yeah. Um, Hurst, holding the cup. Uh, yeah. And Trotter, the, the um, trainer. Mm. Campbell, but, uh, Robert Campbell. And this brings us straight back up into the modern era now. Um, the most memorable Charlton occasion of the last few years, the, the playoff final at Wembley. And you've got some great stuff from there as well. We have, because we don't just want to be a museum of about 50 years or 100 years ago, because what's happening now is also part of our history. It's also just as relevant. And in a few years' time, this will be people will come and see these. But at the moment, we've got a display from the 2019 playoff final. We've got a, the pendant that... Sunderland gave uh, to, to Charlton before the game. We've got one of the champagne bottles that the players sprayed with We're Going Up on it. Uh, we've got programmes, we've got tickets, we've got one, we've got Greg Stubley's um, team sheet with his notes on it the, that he used when he was doing the commentary. But pride of place will always be we've actually got the playoff trophy itself. And I know you picked it up earlier, and it's a lot heavier than it, <laughs> it looks. Um, it's wonderful for us because it, it just sets off the whole display and, and it's here and people can come in and uh, they're more than welcome to pick it up and have their photograph taken. So Ben, we're really grateful for, for you opening up the museum for us today and I'm sure plenty of fans will want to come and see all your exhibits and how, how can they come here, how can they come and visit you? And it was really nice to be able to show you around, it's always nice to show people what we've done. I think there's still a few people who don't realise that we have a museum and that it's open. But we're open on match days, uh, Saturday match days from 11 o'clock till 1 o'clock. We have to close them when the turnstiles open. And we're normally open the first Friday of every month. And we have other special events, but probably your best time to try and get here is between 11 and 1 on a match day. So would you recommend coming to the museum to people to remember sort of stuff that they've seen from back in the day? Yes, I would. All the old Charlton boys can come back and enjoy it. That was our visit to the Charlton Athletic Museum. I have to say once again, thank you to, to Ben Hayes for uh, giving Uncle Bill a, a really brilliant afternoon. And I mean, you heard you heard some of the exhibits they have there. I mean, obviously going all the way up to the, the 2019 playoff final with the ball from the 7-6 game. The, I mean, we we barely scraped the surface of the sort of stuff they have in there. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're eager now to, to have a visit yourself, Oli. Definitely, yeah. No, I, I've really, uh, I'm sure it's my responsibility of going through that. But yeah. uh, I mean, I was, yeah, just one notable moment. I was yeah. Too, slightly too young to attend the 98 final so um, yeah I'm sure there's some really good uh, oh, there's, some, there's so much stuff from there from like even the Premier League years so I was enjoying obviously looking at that because that was more my, my sort of first yeah. first years of having a season ticket but there's so, there's so much great stuff in there for, for people of all ages so yeah uh, yeah, I really really can't recommend enough that, that you go down and, and have a look at that and even if it is just to have your photo taken with a trophy because mm. that's there uh, at the moment the club really looked after Bill as well they let, they let him go on the pitch so again I want to thank Collie Grimm for sorting that out as well it's an absolutely 
absolutely uh, superb day. Uh, right, Jacob uh, on the chat on live forum says, love the podcast. And he says, happy birthday to me for tomorrow. So thanks for that, Jacob. Yeah, I'm spending my birthday watching Bromley play at Maidenhead tomorrow, which I'm really <laughs> looking forward to. Bank holiday Monday. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Right, so Brentford kept the ball but had no bite. If they had a certain spaghetti-haired striker, it might have been a different result. Uh, George Lapsley will be Charlton captain one day. Performances like that are the reason he's not going on loan. If we keep hold of him, he'll be a key player for a long time time right Gary uh, gets involved hi Louis what a fantastic defensive display by the lads yesterday they put their bodies on the line in the last in that last few hectic minutes we're going to come up against that a few times this season with teams much better than Brentford Uh, early doors but feel fairly confident we can be a match for any team in this division best wishes that's from Gary uh, from uh, Gary Cooper from Willis he says happy birthday as well thanks Coop yeah I mean that's that was the main thing that's pleased me about the start of the season the fact that we have really we can compete because before the season started, I was expected to get done five new every every week. The way that everyone was talking about, you know, lack of signings, mm. lowest budget. But we have competed in every game, haven't we? And that and that's been one of the most pleasing things so far. Definitely, yeah. I think we've more than matched everyone we played. Um, I, I think the thing with uh, with this league is that it's so kind of attritional. It's so unpredictable. About you know, I mean, we saw Fulham tonk Millwall. Um, and I was quite glad to as well. But, um, and then, you know, the following week, they I think um, on Saturday, they, Forest, they lost yeah. at home um, to, a, to a team that we then, you know, thumped in the first half, yeah. So which was really surprising. So I think it's such fine margins in this league. And I think with Bowyer at the helm in particular and the feel-good kind of vibe around the club, there's no reason we can't be looking, you know, at least sort of top half. Mm. I, I don't think. I think that's... Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've got delusions of grandeur saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I know that Richard Corley made a rare appearance at Craven Cottage yesterday for his first love, Fulham, and they got beat as well. Yeah, so that was call. particularly <laughs> pleasing, that was. Mendonca and Asda's evening, guys. Can't believe we've taken 11 points this month, especially as I only predicted 10. Uh, Lee and Johnny Jackson have performed wonders long. May it continue. He says, I can't speak for Audi Cider, but the cider down here in Bournemouth, where he's on holiday, is pretty decent. You've started something. You know, the worst thing about this is I don't even like cider. <laughs> I mean, I was so grateful to actually get a bottle of Audi Cider because I really, I really wanted to try it after all the free advertising I've given it. But I've never been a major fan, but it was uh, it, it was good. Right, Tom says, uh, if the day of Armageddon ever falls upon us and a world-ending asteroid is hurtling towards Earth, I feel comfort knowing that we have Lockyer and Pierce to get their bodies in the way. <laughs> Who needs Bruce Willis and his drill? Old man Charlton says, always said this, that no player is bigger than my beloved uh, Charlton. Yeah, certainly not, but uh, hopefully that won't be the case. Right, um, I was down at a different game today, down at the Oakwood to watch the Charlton Athletic women's team play, uh, finally, their first uh, league game of the season. Uh, you'll remember that they finished third in the championship uh, last campaign uh, just you know the top two went up uh, in Spurs and Man United Charlton finished just a few points short of that in what was yeah, their what maiden their maiden season in that league and it was a very good start now there's been a hell of a lot of turnover of players now you probably would know that Kit Graham left that was quite well publicised and it was it was a bit of a confusing situation I did ask Kim Dixon uh, about that uh, earlier today she didn't really add too much meat onto the bones <laughs> there uh, unfortunately but the like Lizard Jupy the player of the year last year she's left she's gone to join the London City Lionesses Charlotte Girl was another big player she's gone so there's been a lot of turnover there has been some new signings that have come in the likes of um, uh, of Charlie Devlin joined from Man United she played very well today uh, so that, there has been a lot of turnover it's probably going to take the players a little while to, to get used to each other but today was uh, the first game was against Lewis uh, a goalless draw in the end of the Oakwood one of the more entertaining goalless draws you, you're going to see um, Lewis actually hit the bar twice uh, in the first five minutes of the second half but Charlton really sort of came came at him in that last 25 minutes and 
I did feel like if any side was going to find a winner later on, it was going to be them. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. It ended goalless, but I did manage to speak to Kim Dixon, um, who is, I think she's like the her official head, her official title now is the assistant first team coach or something like that. But <laughs> she's a Charlton legend. She's on the coaching staff. Uh, I asked what she made of today's goalless draw with Lewis. Um, it was probably a game to ask, really. I think first half, um, we didn't start off as well as we probably could have done. Um, I think we probably tired a little bit as well because we, we wanted them to press quite a bit in the first half. Um, but we made a little few changes second half and I think they worked. I think second half we were probably the better team um, and we had we had good chances second half. Um, I think it was probably a really entertaining game for a nil-nil yeah. um, because both teams had chances, both teams wanted to win um, and it was probably a really good game for the championship really. It just shows how competitive this league is going to be this year. Um, look, we wanted to win but it's a point on the board and we kept a clean sheet. Yeah, had a couple of layoffs at the start of that second half with those two shots that hit the crossbar, but as that half progresses, as after Ratish made his two subs as well, then it did seem like Charlton looked more likely in that second period. Yeah, I think we felt we felt stronger. We felt we were probably could be, could be fitter than them, um, all the work we'd done um, in pre-season. Um, and, and we felt, yeah, we felt we could kept, kept, keep going and try and get a goal. And I think um, if we nicked a goal, we probably would have gone on, gone on and won it. Um, but again, you ride your luck sometimes in this league, and we're happy to keep a clean sheet here. And obviously, with the conditions today, I mean, it's incredibly hot here. Um, do you think that's had an effect on the players at all today? Um, I think a little bit. I think um, probably a game plan first half, we probably probably shouldn't have pressed as much um, because of the heat. Um, and second half, I think worked when we didn't press as much and we're um, pressing the right areas. Um, and when they went long, we we run the ball back. Obviously, it's a fairly new team, five new starters or new signings starting today. Um, are you happy with how they've sort of settled in, with how they're gelling in this early stage? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, we've, yeah, we've got a, a lot of new players, even on the bench. It's, an, it's, a, it's a new new sort of team. Um, and I think there were some good, good, really good performances out there today. Uh, I thought Charlie Den- Devlin was unreal, and I think she got... In the end, they just had to kick her to, <laughs> to stop her, because um, I think she would have got a goal for us. Um, if, if it continued um, but I think she's going to be a massive threat for us going forward um, and I think we just need players around her um, to, to help her out And obviously with that third place finish we had in the, in the first season of the Championship last season that's, that's something to build on I guess, what do you think the aims are, are for this campaign? I think we, we're just taking each game as it comes at the moment because we've got a lot of new players and new players in um, to each game as it comes and I think a lot of teams will be like that this year in this league, uh, a lot of new players a lot of bedding in um, so I think it'll be very, very competitive league, and I don't think there'll be a runaway two or three teams in it. I think there'll be a top four or five, um, and hopefully we're in that top four or five. And obviously, there's been some high, high-profile departures in the summer, the likes of, of Kit Graham and Liz, Liz Adupi. Um How is it important? How important is it that you sort of? can move on from, from those players and make sure your new ones can, can feel the big shoes that they've left. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, both of them scored goals for us last year. Um, so we can't really hide the fact that we, we need someone else to come in um, and score goals. And we feel like we've got the right players to do that, to come and score goals in this league. Um, so we just need to make sure we play well um, defensively first. And then when we've got the ball, um, I think first half we rushed it a little bit more, a little bit too much and went too long ball too, too, too many times. Um, so we just need to calm down at times. I think it was a little bit nerves as well, first game of the season. And obviously with Kit leaving, um, a lot of fans outside are perhaps a bit curious as to went on, what went on there because we, they saw the statement on the on the website. I mean, can you give us any more as, as to what happened there? Um, no, not really. I think it's obviously to do with 
uh, Charlton and Tottenham and Kit at the moment, but obviously we wish Kit Kit well um, and hopefully she does really well because I've known Kit since she was probably eight. Um, so I, I just wish her well, really. It's enough. It, it, it is what it is at the moment. And it's no surprise to see her get a chance in, in the in the in the. It was a long division. time coming, really, but obviously we want to we wanted her here to to score goals and and play for us, um, but we we don't really want to hold players back. So there we go. There's uh, Kim Dixon uh, after today's goalless draw uh, with Lewis. Um, yeah, not a bad start to the championship season. It'd be interesting to see really how they land after you know after performing so well last year. Um, the main thing is you want to get as many fans down to the Oakwood today. It was steaming hot, but it's a great afternoon down there to to watch the girls play, and uh, they played some nice stuff at times. Like I say, still still waiting to gel a little bit, but hopefully uh, as the season progresses, they'll be doing that right. Yeah, I've just realised we've run out of time on tonight's <laughs> Charlton Live. Um, that show has absolutely flown by, as I promised. Um, so, yeah, thanks to all of you who've listened and uh, and got involved after yesterday's superb 1-0 victory uh, over Brentford. Thanks to Mark Newbury, who was here earlier and then has disappeared. Um, and also thanks to Ollie White. Great debut. Cheers, Lou. Yeah, good, uh, good to have you. And we'll see you again, I'm sure, over the course uh, of the season. So we'll be back here on Thursday evening uh, with the big match preview, looking ahead to next uh, next game uh, over at Reading next week. Uh, but until then, we shall... Uh, I hope you enjoyed this evening's show. Don't forget to hit subscribe on the podcast apps as well so you can get our show downloaded to your phone uh, twice a week automatically. I've been Louis Meadows. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Thursday. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.